Okay, are we, are we good on the recording? Test one, two. Sounds good. Okay. Okay, go, go ahead. ahead. How do people see monitoring and evaluation in one word? Not again. Challenging. Burdensome or burden. Burden. But I think that that's starting to change. What could monitoring and evaluation be? Um, um, an opportunity. Opportunity. I like that. An opportunity for improvement. What would you say? See, I think for me, there might be a lot to learn, but that once you once you do, you can see how useful it is. I want to make data fun. You are listening to the Monitoring and Evaluation Technical Assistance. Or Meta Podcast. Improving the collection, management, analysis, and use of data. To improve outcomes to refugees in the U.S. Brought to you from the International Rescue Committee with the support of the Office of Refugee Resettlement. Meta. Welcome to another episode of the Meta Podcast. My name is Jamie Costigan, and I am the Design, Monitoring, and Evaluation Technical Advisor for IRC's U.S. programs and the Meta Project. Today, we're going to be talking about why it's important to integrate gender considerations into monitoring and evaluation planning, and we're going to share some tips for getting started. Today, we're joined by Priya Alvarez, Evaluation Specialist at UN Women. Priya served as the Gender Budgeting Specialist in the European Union, and she's worked as an independent evaluator and gender equality expert for a range of nonprofit organizations, national governments, bilateral agencies, and UN entities. She holds an MS degree in Evaluation of Public Policy. So let's jump right in. Priya, can you tell us why is it important to integrate gender into our monitoring and evaluation systems? Hello, Jamie. I want to say first that it's great to be here and thank you so much for inviting me to talk more about monitoring and evaluation from a gender perspective. Uh, in UN Women, we pay a lot of attention to monitoring evaluation systems and part of our mission is to make sure that the whole United Nations system is integrating gender equality concerns throughout it together with uh, human rights. So I would say first that gender-integrated monitoring and evaluation systems are instrumental to provide evidence of differential status, utilization and access to services, program outcomes and gender inequalities. And they can be also used to advocate for change and to address gender dimensions in resettlement programs. Uh, when we talk about gender equality, there is always a duality. On the one hand, we talk about um, programs that successfully reach those in need, that they are good for women and girls as well as for men and boys. And we know that if we don't pay attention, we run the risk of taking for granted that the male norm defines everybody's needs and priorities. But on the other hand, it's also important to ensure that programs actively contribute to gender equality. At the very minimum, we need to be aware whether our program is favoring equality or it's worsening or increasing the situation of gender inequality. Thanks, Priya. That's uh, really interesting. And, and you touched on the fact that it's important to have monitoring and evaluation systems that integrate gender considerations because of the importance in understanding inequalities in the results that we're seeing for clients. You know, one of the first steps to planning monitoring and evaluation is clearly defining the results that we want to see, outlining these in a results framework, or as we talk about with the Meta Project, uh, the theory of change diagram. These results or outcomes 
determine not just what we're measuring, but also the activities that we're implementing and how we go about implementing them. What does it look like, in your view, to integrate gender into the results or the outcomes planning process? And and why is this important? Good question. When we integrate gender equality in our results chain, um, being uh, log frames or our theory of change, we can address gender in two different dimensions. One is addressing the practical needs of women and girls. Um, We know that approximately half of the total number of refugees are women or girls, and that conflict and disaster affect disproportionately women's and girls' lives, and in ways that are quite distinct from men and boys. They might be needs related to sexual and reproductive health. They may face precarious security or needs for physical protection. They might be exposed to exploitation and abuse. But also women and girls may face barriers to accessing the protection systems that are already available for all refugees. And that may happen because of social norms or fear that prevent them from requesting protection. They may not even identify that some services are available for them. They may feel that they need permission or that they cannot ask for what they need. We need to be aware as well of these gender norms operating and interfering in the way people interact with our programs. Uh, That's why a good gender analysis should drive the program design and the metrics uh, to measure success. So we need to treat women and girls differently because they have specific needs, but also we need to treat them equally because they have the same rights as men and boys. So women and girls are not only victims, they are also rights holders and agents of change. And here we sometimes see women's and girls' voices are not heard enough. They may face barriers to participation in planning and decision-making and economic empowerment. They may not be consulted and listened. And therefore, not only we are undermining their potential, we are also neglecting the program potential. So this is a great reminder of the importance of ensuring that women and girls are consulted in needs assessments so that program design responds to their needs, their experiences, their preferences, and also the barriers that they're, that they're facing in accessing services and decision making. But it also makes me think about participatory program design and how important it is to include women and girls, particularly those who might face the most barriers uh, in that process. Another thought that I had is that when we're articulating the results that we want to see in our programs, it could be really useful and and simple even to replace the word clients or refugees with male and female clients or male and female refugees. I wonder if, if just making that small change would affect our program models as well as what data we're collecting and how we're going about analyzing it. But moving on. Determining what we want to learn about our programs is a key part of monitoring and evaluation planning because it affects what data we collect, how we're going to analyze it, how we're going to present the data, but also how we're going to use it. When it comes to gender, can you share some examples of questions that we should be trying to answer or things that we might want to understand about our programs? Yes, we have lots of questions. And again, I would say um, conduct an initial stock taking and make sure that you know who your stakeholders are, what their activities are, uh, both for men and women, uh, for girls and boys, what is their capacity, what are their gender roles and needs. I am not an expert on refugee resettlement issues, but can, of course, advance some questions that we always ask. So some issues might be 
are women's voices heard? Are they organized, represented to defend their interests? And uh, who is advocating on their behalf? Um, in terms of power, who makes decisions affecting them within the household or within the program? Do you have already a gender disaggregated baseline information prior to start the program activities? Uh, what is the level of enrollment of women in training activities, for instance? Are there differences between men's and women's enrollment? Are differences related to the time of the day activities are organized or scheduled? Do you facilitate children care services for women attending trainings? As we know, this might be a factor preventing them from accessing training. Uh, if we talk about more specific issues like sexual and reproductive health, we may consider that single women traveling or with children uh, or pregnant and nursing women, adolescent girls or elderly women may be at particular risks and require uh, different systems of protection. Um, we may consider issues related to security. Uh, are there adequate conditions for refugees and migrants for women's uh, physical safety, dignity and health? Uh, what about accommodation facilities? Um, when we talk about effective access to justice, we think it's crucial to reach out to victims in need who are not in a position to report the crimes. They may be reluctant to report violence or to access services. Um, some ethnic groups or some women with disabilities may face additional barriers, including cultural ones, uh, preventing them from reporting violence to the police and receiving adequate protection. Um, what about prevention measures to reduce uh, exposure to sexual and gender-based violence? So in general, uh, we think uh, that all questions are welcome in the sense uh, that we need accountability to the program, to duty bearers, and we need also visibility. It's important to talk about gender issues and disaggregated data. You touched on a lot of questions related to needs assessments, ensuring accessibility of services to both men and women. And I would just add there, one thing that's been very important for the IRC is thinking about the question of, are we achieving our results equally for male and female clients? It's important at each phase of the program design and monitoring and evaluation planning process to think about what we need to be considering related to gender. So we talked about integrating gender into our expected results and our learning priorities. How does this affect the indicators we might include in our log frames and that we might use to monitor and evaluate program performance? I, I could say to keep it simple, that something very basic but very important is just disaggregating data and indicators, designing uh, more specific and smart indicators uh, addressing men and women separately, or, or girls and boys separately. Uh, at the minimum, I would say that disaggregating information by age and sex, uh, but also, of course, ethnicity or country of origin and other categories is very powerful. Uh, it allows us to know how different targets, uh, target groups behave. Beneficiaries of an intervention, uh, first of all, have the right to be treated fairly in their individuality. But uh, I would particularly warn about uh, conflating household interests with women's interests. I could also encourage uh, people working with refugee resettlement programs to design specific indicators to measure equality. Here in, at UN Women, we favor indicators about inclusion and participation, and also we touch upon fair power relations, who is making decisions. 
we always uh, mix qualitative and quantitative indicators. It's not only about head counting. A balanced mix is essential to generate more and diverse information to add credibility to the data and to prove on more profound aspects of the changes that need to be demonstrated. If you want specific examples of indicators, um, I always recommend economic empowerment measures or independence, uh, like uh, the number of women uh, that have their own income, uh, their own property, productive resources in their own name, uh, income, livelihood options. When it comes to violence, again, um, an attention to the perceptions of gender-based violence, like um, the percentage of people who agree that rape can take place uh, within the marriage. A lot of soft indicators about uh, understanding and beliefs that uh, are underlying discrimination and gender inequality. Um, of course, always consult your stakeholders when formulating and choosing indicators. They may have additional ideas. Um, they may contribute to really identify what information is relevant. Those are great examples, Priya. Um, once people have developed their indicators that they would include in their monitoring and evaluation plans, how should gender considerations play a role in planning, data collection, and management activities? That's very important. It's a question that is not always asked, and it really makes a difference uh, when it comes to the quality of information you get as a result. So we need to plan and decide not only what data are collected, but how and by whom. Of course, the first idea is to ensure equal participation of women and men. Uh, but it's also important uh, to test the monitoring and uh, evaluation tools and make sure that they are designed in ways that address differences. Um, as we may talk about sensitive issues, um, when it comes to data collection, we need to ask questions about who is in the room when you ask the questions. You may need individual interviews or separate sessions to gather information. Um, you may have to engage female interviewers and interpreters with enough training on gender equality. Uh, sometimes people cannot verbalize abuse or situations of violence, but they can point at graphics or pictures or they can identify with some stories. Uh, so you need to, to be creative in, in ways of capturing some of um, aspects that are not so easy to report or share. Another important issue is to ensure the participation of the most vulnerable, and that may need uh, more effort. We have to make sure that everybody understands the data collection processes and that victims are not at further risk as a result of this. And finally, from a feminist point of view, we use data collection as another intervention or program activity. So uh, my advice would be be proactive. Use all opportunities to raise awareness about the possibility of gender equality, about rights, power, change, and if that is the case, about the possibility of a life without violence. What about when you're planning for how data will be analyzed and reported? Can you tell us about how gender considerations um, might need to be taken there? Yeah, it's very important to decide beforehand how to organize reporting and feedback uh, processes and clearly identify who will analyze information, uh, who will receive it, and how it will be used to guide program implementation. Um, 
it is critical to report gender-based differences or lack of differences. At this stage, um, it's important to favor triangulation of the information obtained and ask multiple sources when it comes for interpretation and, and different possibilities to understand uh, particular information. What we do at UN Women is we consult with uh, stakeholder groups. We discuss with them at the end of the data collection stage findings, possible interpretations, and also we hear their views on the conclusions and recommendations uh, for improving the program. In addition to that, it's important to guarantee that data is treated with respect and valued equally, recognizing differences but never underestimating the value of the information coming from anyone. Uh, it's not important only the information coming from the most articulate person in the room. Uh, second, it's necessary to understand the gender equality context to inform interpretations of people's opinions. I think it's important in, in the context of um, resettlement to understand very well the situation of refugees, their country of origins, and the different nuances of gender equality and inequality in those contexts. Um, and finally, it's important to pay special attention to data and information that refers to gender equality issues in the intervention. Sometimes the gains are very small. We used to say that in gender equality is always two steps forward and one step back. So we have to be prepared for backlash. We have to be prepared for something that is a gain, but it may not be sustainable over time. But for us, it's very important to reflect on all those aspects, because we seek not only to conduct and implement successful programs, but we also seek to understand perception, social norms, gender roles, and uh, use that information to design better programs in the future. Of course, one of the most important monitoring and evaluation activities is using the data that we're collecting to inform and improve future program design. Can you share an example of how gender data can be used to improve programs? So, sure. Everything can be used, including the challenges to obtaining information, including the implications of not having enough data available or enough voices representing the variety and diversity of our stakeholders. No matter what, you can learn a lot, even if it says that the program has not been entirely successful. As program managers, uh, through the analysis of our monitoring data, we can realize sometimes, for instance, that um, gender equality considerations are not fully implemented throughout the full resettlement cycle. Women may get referrals for healthcare services, but not follow up or show up later. We may notice differences in program implementation and results, for instance, for female-headed families. Uh, we may need to ask further questions to understand uh, those differences and strengthening our program to reach equally both women and men. A very important attention has to be given to women's employment and expectation of unpaid work of women as well, particularly when it comes to care work. Gender equality considerations can be, interestingly, not only addressing women and girls, also men and boys. Uh, we have examples of growing preoccupation with early school dropouts for young boys being more frequent than for girls. We may also have uh, situations where young girls are at a disadvantage or they marry way too early. In our uh, m and &E, uh, exercises, we are also mindful of unintended effects. We have seen that sometimes um, when women are empowered, the likelihood of escalating gender-based violence may increase. 
So it's important to, to have all these considerations in mind when we come to the reality of using more information about the program to inform a future program design, but also to conduct better and more sensitive M&E exercises. Okay, one last question. If listeners want to hear more about integrating gender into monitoring and evaluation uh, systems, where can they go to learn more? Well, of course, I would recommend to uh, go to our website, unwomen.org. In the UN, we have a UN evaluation group. The website is also uneval.org. We have evaluation handbooks and materials for integrating human rights and gender equality in evaluation and monitoring. But also, I have to say that there are very important materials developed by international NGOs and other organizations. I would recommend the guidelines for integrating gender into an M&E framework and system assessment from Measure Evaluation AWIT has a fantastic material called Capturing Change in Women's Reality. And I am a big fan of materials produced by CARE USA, uh, measuring gender transformative change, designing a common gender indicator framework for CARE's pathway program, for instance. So I, I would recommend you to visit all these sites and uh, look at many ways in which people conduct many exercises uh, with a gender equality perspective within them. Those are great suggestions, and we will be adding links on our website as well. And I'll add that listeners who are working with ORR-funded organizations can reach out to Meta directly for one-on-one support with integrating gender into monitoring and evaluation. Um, And with that, we've come to the end of the podcast. Thank you, Priya, so much for taking the time. And thanks to our listeners as well. Please let us know what you think of the Meta podcast. What other topics do you want to hear about? Email meta at rescue.org and follow us on Twitter at US Meta Support. For past podcasts and other ME related resources, visit metasupport.org. My pleasure, Jamie. Thank you. Thank you, Priya, so much.